Hello and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. Uh, and this is uh, just to, just before we intro our guest, just to say thank you for subscribing to this bonus episode. Uh, thank you for supporting us. It means that we can do the show without ads and it also means that we can retain editorial independence and it also means we get to do really fun stuff. Uh, so really appreciate all your support. Uh, and this week we are joined uh, once again by friend of the show Aaron Thorpe. You may remind you you may remember him from the Trillbillies, uh, Struggle Session, uh, lots of uh, every. Everybody loves communism and lots of other podcasts that I keep forgetting. I was saying, Aaron, uh, that uh, before I gave you that very sort of choppy intro, it's because you keep getting banned from Twitter, yeah, yeah. and so so your bias keep changing. Yeah, this is a this is my um, this is like my fifth or sixth or seventh Twitter account, which uh, I, I'm just going to posting retro <laughs> software art because, like, as as the world gets yeah. worse, I kind of escape into uh, escapism and childhood fantasies, and um, yeah. I made the mistake of uh, of uh, tweeting a picture of christopher dorner if uh, nobody knows who that is a uh, google that guy american hero and um somebody reported me i guess you know um i don't know oh, how no. that works out but um yeah so i'm, I'm back on another yeah. account but i'm also back here so i'm happy to uh, happy to be with you guys thank you for having me back yeah no it's good it's good it's good to have you back and it's good to have you back to talk about uh talk about a film uh uh phil uh, phoebe you recommended this film actually it's a hard candy from 2005 yeah um i thought it would be interesting to do a revisit of hard candy because uh it came out in yeah it came out in the early aughts so like it i suppose it kind of coincided with the i suppose the height and peak of myspace and before before facebook but de but definitely definitely in the kind of the very nascent uh nascent period of, of social media and it coincided with a lot of um a lot of interest and a lot of concern about uh, who you might be talking to online and particularly who you might be talking to in terms of um, sexual predation. And there were lots of, and there were a number of very high profile and very upsetting cases of, um, of, of, kind of, of grooming going on online and this and uh, and hard and hard candy is a i guess like a psychological horror which uh kind of it really kind of digs into the it digs into the meat of of the kind of the first principle of you don't know who you're talking to online um and i think that and i think that's i think that's really interesting because i think watching it almost 20 years on it's so fascinating how much of it has aged well and how much of it has aged badly. It's like it, it's like watching one of those like you know those like spinning coins that's like a different image on like on each side. Yeah. So like yeah. so like ev like like once every like ten minutes you have like some just incredibly dated reference that just like kicks you right out of it and you're like oh wow we're in two thousand and five. But then just like the, but then the themes are just they're just. They're just there. They're they they're they're, un they're universal, and I think and I I found it as unsettling and haunting watching it now as I did when I first saw it when it came out. Um, just before we start, little quick note about pronouns. So uh, the film the film stars Patrick Wilson and it also stars Elliot Page. Uh, obviously, we will not be either dead naming or misgendering Elliot Page. However, Haley, who is the character that Elliot Page plays, is a teenage girl. When it comes to when it comes to names, when it comes to pronouns, if we are talking about the actor, we will be using he/him. If we are talking about the character, we will be using she/her. 
because that just seemed like the most uh, the most sensible way of doing it. And if there are any mistakes or slip ups with that, then those errors are all ours. Uh, before we get into, uh, because I think actually one of the one of the things that you talked uh, that was sort of highlighted there is just the way in which like this film has aged. And mm-hmm. before we were recording, uh, Aaron, you were talking about something like actually quite familiar to me, which was like the first time we had sort of seen this film. Um, the the idea that like it seemed scarier than actually not to say that it wasn't scary because I think this was like a really haunting film, but I think. The ways that, at least when I was kind of when I I can't remember how old I was in two thousand five, but when I was a teenager and this film sort of came out, uh, it was sort of framed as like oh it's this kind of like it's like the most horrific thing you'll have ever seen like you'd ever see, and seeing it because of the horror was sort of like the appeal of it right this was like social subtext the commentary behind it was very much like something that I didn't really see many people kind of talking about it was just like. Uh, yeah, the uh, there's there's this girl and who and who who murders uh, or who like tortures a pedophile and cuts his and cuts his balls off was like the yeah. kind of real way of selling it. Um, yeah, which is to say that when I I watched it when I watched it when I was like around about that age and I watched it on one of those like really bad streaming websites. Um, and so it was really weird because I watched it when I watched it again on a better streaming website. Um, I like. It, it almost felt like watching this film for the first time. There were lots of things that I thought were there, but like ended up not being there. And obviously like with the hindsight of age and also just like the ways in which like we have, well, the ways in which like the internet has changed and the ways in which like this type of online predatorial behavior has kind of changed. Um, if, you know, you, the social commentary sort of feels much more uh, obvious, but I, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on like, uh, watching this again after like seeing it a long time ago, how that how your sort of thoughts have changed throughout watching it and so on. Yeah, so I first saw it. I think maybe it came out in two thousand five. So I think I saw it maybe like a year, maybe after it came out. I don't think much longer than that. And um, so I was about sixteen. Um, and I think I was at home, and it was like on Showtime. That's when before like I guess you had Netflix and whatnot. You had like, um, you know, on demand services, you know, so Showtime would have their on demand service where you could watch, buy a movie and watch it whenever you want. Or if you were subscribed to the channel, you don't have to pay for it. So I was kind of always liked horror and psychological thrillers, even though I get scared very easily. Like Phoebe, <laughs> I'm with you entirely. We were talking earlier before we were recording. Like, dude, this is off the side. But I saw um, when The Exorcist was um, coming back out in theaters in the early aughts um, or maybe even like, yeah, early aughts. Um, the, for some reason, the news channels like had like a little, uh, uh, like a little segment, you know, about, oh, the, the, uh, uh, famed, haunted, uh, scary, terrifying exorcist coming back to theaters. And they showed that scene where she like, uh, crawls down the stairs backwards. Anyway, I was terrified just from seeing that clip of that segment for like (laughs) months. I don't like horror films, but for this, some reason, this one felt like a, um, and it still is, it felt like one that. I mean, it's very with the times, right? Like this is at the time, like you were saying, Phoebe, of MySpace. This is before Twitter. And in terms of datedness, like as I'm watching it, like obviously there are little things, right? Like the techno music is definitely like, okay, this is like some, I mean, that's like 2005, but this is some 90s type of shit, right? There's no like, there's no sort of like the shit that I guess people would listen to now, right? It sounds very dated. Also the technology, right? There are no smartphones in the film. Like this is in 2005 before the first iPhone came out. So I was thinking to myself, 
how how this predatory behavior online and how this grooming and how like, mm-hmm. you know, these things happen and they happen in correlation with technology, right? With the advancement of technology and how different this film would have been, not different as in better or worse, but probably even more terrifying, right? If they had if gone a step further and said, okay, it's not just, um, you know, uh, I guess when you message this person as you're leaving, when you're at your house, right? Because when you're at your house, right? That's where the computer is. Now, what if you had smartphones, right? And you'd go outside, right? And mm-hmm. sort of like, I don't know, like thinking about surveillance and being watched and followed, like those were those were things that obviously weren't in this film, but it just did kind of pique my interest at how, at how, I guess, compared to the cases, I guess, that we hear and see now and read about now, right? Which are horrifying as well, how different and how more, I don't, I don't know the word for it, more, I guess, like, at a higher level, I guess, you know what I'm mm, saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, but yeah, other than that, it was, it wasn't as scary as you were saying, Hussein, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be, but it was haunting. Right. Mm. It wasn't mm. scary in the sense that it was gory, but it was very much like, holy shit. Like how many of these cases have happened within the 20 years. Right. Mm. And how much of this has been accentuated. Right. And worsened. Mm. Right. Right. Without anyone even sort of, I mean, I don't know, I know there have been like cultural movements, but even legislatively, right? You know, to say like, yo, we got to put a fucking stop to this shit. We got to find out a way to make sure that I don't know how you do that. It's a different conversation, but um, yeah, it, it was dated in some ways, but at the same time, I felt like it was more poignant than ever. And uh, we'll talk about it later, but especially the voyeurism aspect, mm. like living in a culture now where, um, and I know this is a very different case, but someone in New York being murdered on the train, right, while someone records and people watch, you know. Yeah, like yeah. that, that sort of at the end. Um, and I mean, maybe it's unrelated, but that sort of like reminded me of, I mean, Jordan Neely, right? Other cases that we've seen of people recording violence and being a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Even though this is in the sexual context, um, of course, but I don't know, I was just reminded of that. So yeah, it was very, it was still a poignant film, I think. People should check it out. Yeah, it's because it's, it's part of the spectacularization of violence as well. Yes. Um, I just want to kind of pick up on just a couple of points that both of you both of you made before we before we move on. Um, the first is that it's really interesting that Hussein remembers it as being much more horrifying and much more gory than it actually was because of the extent to which the film plays with um, your sense of reality and mm. like like illusion and um illusion and spectacularization is such a kind of important part of it so it's sort of quite funny that your takeaway was i actually remembered a completely different scene than than what actually what actually plays out um the second is i think it's really important that most that all of the action takes place in um jeff the main character's house um because this is supposed to be like an intrusion on his sanctuary so yeah, it's true. Your home is your safe space. It's true. Your home is where your computer is, but it is your safe space. And this is one of the things um, that particularly people who sort of discuss uh, uh, online bullying and that kind of thing, um, revenge porn, so on and so forth, is that if it's on your phone, then you're not safe anywhere. You're not even safe in your own house. And I think that watching it knowing about smartphones kind a little bit not dampens but a a little bit kind of softens up the horror of but this is in his house she has come into his house 
and she's doing this shit to him because if it was a smartphone film, <laughs> then she could be fucking with him anywhere. Which is a very, yeah, very she could <laughs> just take his phone. She could just take his phone and like go through it, right? Maybe yeah. perhaps, you know. Yeah, exactly exactly. Uh and and another and another interesting thing, which I think is like the opposite of that, it is more horrifying, which is that Haley has been stalking him and surveilling him and he does not know. Mm. And he does not know this, and he finds this out at the end that Haley has been watching him, observing him, making notes, and she's made another stop before she's come to him. And that's the and that's this kind of like final kind of gut punch right at the right at the end of the film. And actually, given how phenomenally easy person-to-person surveillance is now, and also how phenomenally easy it is to document and spectacularize other people, particularly, you know, people existing out in public and participating in, like you say, participating in any violence they might they might experience. It's it's a kind of it's a monstrous facet of modern life but it doesn't make your blood run cold in exactly the same way so if so if this is this is a film made now and she's like well of course i know where you where you are look you tagged yourself in in your instagram story or whatever that that's that maybe makes you think that you should be a bit more careful about the sort of the sort of things that you're freely sharing online which is a conversation which you know is ongoing and it's um and it makes you think a bit more carefully about to what extent the real world has become an extension of like a kind of the digital space, but it wouldn't make your blood run cold in quite the same way. Because in 2005, if you want to stalk and surveil someone, you gotta, you gotta really, really want to do it. You gotta be putting in those hours. You've got to have a plan, um, which is a, yeah, which is a very, very, which is a very, very different thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's like a really kind of important point to kind of pick out. Uh, the first thing I was going to say before we move on to kind of just I suppose giving a kind of overview of, sort of what actually happens in the film is uh, the director is uh, primarily a music video director, and I think that's mm. really important just in terms of the aesthetic quality of it. It's very very stylized, and it's also one of um, this interesting thing I was reading about it. it one of the only films that that has ever had the colorist credited alongside the director, the screenwriter, and the and the producer, and there's lots of very kind of stylized music video like scenes with mm. Haley in her little red riding her kind of red hoodie against a red wall, and then after the kind of the, the kind of bisecting. A kind of body horror scene, kind of halfway through, uh, it goes blue instead. So everything had been red up until this point, and then after that, it kind of goes sort of bluey green. And there are lots of shots of of Elliot Page against a kind of a blank wall uh, that's the same color as whatever it is he's wearing. And that's, I think, I think that's a, re- I think that's like a really kind of important point. Kind of stylistically, that you are supposed to, you're supposed to be viewing it at, at a kind of artificial remove. It it reminds you of its own construction and its own artificiality, and that's like a deliberate choice of of David Slade, I think. And also, just going back to uh, the idea of surveillance, is that 
Jeff, who is a photographer, thinks that he is the one who watches. He is the one who surveils. He takes pictures of these underage models. He has pictures of these underage models on his wall. He is obsessed with his ex-girlfriend. He can't move on from his first sexual experience as a teenager. And he thinks that it's him that watches. And then Haley appears in his life and says, and somebody is watching you watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think that's, um, that's, that's, underscored really well by even the poster the the uh, uh poster art for the film yeah. which is uh Haley's Haley's character uh in a bear trap wearing uh, mm. a red almost like little red riding hood right yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. No, no, it's this liberate. reverse right it's this reverse on like the who's the prey right like mm-hmm. who's being preyed upon you know and um you know I was thinking too while you're talking Phoebe like you know if this said if they were which god I hope they don't um I don't think they would but if they were to do a remake of this right like <laughs> How many tools at her disposal Haley would have had, you know, yeah. <laughs> like just, just like yeah. how many social media apps this guy would have had. Right. Patrick Wilson's character and how much she would have been able to surveil him, you know. Mm. And um, I guess how why the film is kind of more poignant and haunting now, because I mean, I, you know, again, like I'm a cis man. Right. So it's very different for me. Right. But I'm always I'm always getting into it with these psychos online, you know, who are always saying I'm going to dox you. Right. And I mean, I know they're not going to do shit, but at the same time, I mean, I'm taking pictures like fit pics, you know, like smiling and shit outside my fucking house. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if yeah, somebody yeah. really wanted to go to the levels to use Google Maps or images or whatever like that to find out where I live. But the, even though that technology doesn't exist in the film, it's a reminder that it does in our reality, mm. right in our world. Yeah, also, absolutely. I wanted to say something. I want to say something, too. You were talking about the um, the uh, cinematography or I guess like the uh, aesthetics of the film. I noticed, too, I guess, with that kind of like bear trap motif, like sort of like the film takes place like Pat. Uh, what, what is uh, Patrick Wilson's character's name? I forget. Jeff. Jeff. His his character as a photographer, I feel like this this correlates with his profession because he lives in this really nice house that has a lot of open space. And it seems to be bisected or like maybe parallel running parallel with a lot of open windows. Like it's well venerated, you know. Mm. So for some reason, it made it it made the whole movie takes place in his house and it made it feel like it was its own artificial setting. You know, there are a few scenes where they run outside, but even when they run out, even when, um, uh, when, uh, Haley is on top of, uh, we'll get into it, but she's on top of his roof. Right. And we see that, um, Sandra O's character is like, uh, she's trimming, she's like trimming these roses. Even that shot is framed in such a way, even though it takes place outside, you know, it just kind of like, really gives you this almost i don't want to say claustrophobic because it is an open Mm. space but really like there's nowhere to run this movie is just these two characters and although it's well venerated it's also like looks like they're in the middle of the fucking desert not really a desert but almost like a desert side town or something like that you know what i mean and it's like that's what makes it more horrifying because Haley's character also knows that his neighbors are gone so where are either of them going to go, right? So it just intensifies the conflict and the dynamic between them, you know? I also, I also wonder how significant it's meant to be right at the start. He says to her, my home is my studio. Mm. And yeah. that's oh, shit. like, yeah. I think quite, I think that's quite a significant line. I think that's probably the most significant line in, in, the, whole, in the whole movie because it is his studio, but it's also Haley's studio. Yeah, yeah, yo, holy shit, man! I didn't, I didn't, I forgot about yeah, that line a really, completely. That's, 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 a good that's, point. Really, that's a really good point. Uh, 
Yeah, no, fuck me. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, yo, god damn. Dude. Yo, <laughs> you said that, I was like, yeah. yo, this is a really good fucking, like, this is a really yeah, no, good it's... movie because your commentary made me think, holy shit. All right, yeah. Yeah, it is like, I think this is really important, a really important point to make. Like, it is a really, really good movie. Like, there are, like, mm. there are bits of it where, like, bits of the script that, that are a bit, like, a little bit like kind of oh this is 2005 oh boy this is 2005 <laughs> yeah. um like yeah like Haley being like a kind of big like big like gold frat fat or not being good pretending to be a gold frat fan pretending to be gold um, <laughs> but also like um pretending to be like a big fan of like of like zadie smith um there's a bit where um where Jeff's trying to impress Haley and says, "I've got a, I've got an MP3 bootleg," and I, and you're just watching it going like, "I am." Look, I remember <laughs> I went to see this film in the cinema. I was like 20 years old. I don't remember anyone talking like that. I'm sure that this isn't. I'm sure that even then, this was like a kind of. But then again, maybe it's supposed to be a cringy thing to say because this is a fully grown adult man attempting to impress a teenage girl. Um, yeah, exactly. But like the, but the very particular like kind of vicious precocity of the way she speaks is so like what a very very smart 14 year old is like yeah like the kind of like the kind of the sort of almost kind of self-conscious hipness in some of the in like some of the things she says like particularly when she's like when she's starting to taunt him um it's like I think I think that's I think that's really I think that's really really well observed and both performances both Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson are absolutely fantastic in it because both of them are in their own way uh, put in such a disturbing and horrifying performance. Um, like honestly, I think his I think his is just as is just as disturbing because. Um, I think we should probably just do a kind of like really, really quick overview of like the plot mm. so that it makes sense what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I can, I, can, I can summarize. Yeah, I can summarize it. Um, so yeah, I'll, summar- I'll summarize it best I, best I can because uh, it's actually like quite a simple plot. Uh, so 14 year old Hayley Starks, played by Elliot, Elliot Page, uh, and 32 year old photographer Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Culver. Um, you've been Over. Okay. called right, and then um, initially, mm-hmm. like the, the initial scenes, like they're sort of seen to be, uh, there's like sort of, sort of talking online. Uh, they meet at a coffee place, and then they go to uh, Jeff's home. Uh, when they arrive, uh, Haley makes uh, Haley makes like I think they're called screwdrivers for drinks, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, kind of like is able to say like, knock him out after sort of pretending that uh she is going well she wants to or like he she wants him to take photos of her when he wakes up uh Haley explains that he's been tracking and basing him through online chats and has drugged him because she believes that he is a sexual predator and a murderer um jeff denies these allegations uh but during the sort of course of this interrogation Haley finds pictures including a picture of a photo of a woman called Don- donna mauer who is a local girl who has been kidnapped and remains missing. Jeff uh, has continued to like deny that the accusations that he had anything involved with it and uh, tries to like desperately escape. Uh, but Haley sort of like keeps kind of, ta- I think this is kind of where the sort of torturing scenes come in. So like, you know, she's tying him up 
uh, kind of wraps his face in plastic wrap at one point, chokes him unconscious. Uh, the sort of like main scene, the scene that I was talking about earlier on was uh, Jeff wakes up and finds himself on a steel table with an ice with a bag of ice on his genitals uh, and making him numb. And Haley has told him that she's basically like she's going to castrate him. Uh, Jeff Jeff like tries to say like Jeff tries to sort of prevent this from happening, including saying that he was prevent he was abused as a child to play for sympathy, but that fails. Haley consults a medical book. Uh, to guide her through the procedure, describing to just describing it to Jeff as he performs the operation, and once it's finished, Haley puts down the scalpel, walks away, saying that she needs a shower. Jeff wakes up, only to realize that actually his surgery was a complete trick and he was unharmed. He picks up the scalpel and he uh, tries to find Haley, scours in the bathroom, but can't find her anywhere. Um, then Haley is able to incap- uh, incapacitate him with a stun gun. Uh, Haley calls Jeff's ex girlfriend Janelle. Uh, who is posing uh, and she's posing as a police officer asking to come in immediately to Jeff's house. Uh, Jeff regains consciousness and finds that Haley has bound both her, both his wrists uh, and hoists him onto a stand in the chair of his kitchen with a noose around his neck. Uh, and Haley makes Jeff an offer at this point. If he kills himself, uh, then she'll promise to erase all the evidence of any of all his crimes. Uh, but he refuses. Uh, and if he refuses, she'll expose his secrets. And that conversation is then interrupted when a neighbor knocks on the door uh, trying to sell, I think it's Girl, Girl Scout cookies, something yeah, along those yeah. lines. Um, and then when Haley returns, Jeff is broken out from his bindings and is trying to pursue her. Uh, but they get they, there's, that's a scene where they sort of get onto the roof and Haley's brought the noose from the kitchen uh, and uh, secures it to the chimney. Uh, and Jeff confesses to his crimes at the end and says that he... That, Jeff doesn't com- confess to the crime that he did anything, but what he says was that he watched uh, he watched while another man uh, raped and murdered Maurer, and he promises that if she spares his life, he will tell uh, he'll tell the other man's name so he she can exact her revenge on him. Haley then reveals that she actually knows his name. The name is Aaron, and that Aaron said to Jeff, uh, Aaron said that Jeff did it before he killed himself. Um, Janelle arrives, and Haley once again urges Jeff to hang himself, promising that she will destroy the evidence afterwards. Jeff ends up saying uh, jeff ends up sort of doing that uh and then the final scene is like sort of Haley walking off and say and the last line i think is or not yeah yeah so that is the summary that is the summary of uh, hard candy i think i think it is really important to like to to say at this stage as well that quite a lot of it doesn't strictly hang together or make a, a whole ton of sense and i think it is I think it's a real testament both to the both to like the sheer quality of the performances because it it's like it's you know I don't know if this is just me because I have a ferocious attention span but like watching two people talking for almost 2 hours that's that's punishing on a on a kind of film in, in, in this day and age look man I have, a, I have a test where like if i'm not checking my phone within the first 10 minutes of watching this shit <laughs> then i'm pulled in so for it to be two people and i'm like hanging on the every word yes yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. staring yeah like it's like so, yeah. so what so this is ba- this is like <laughs> this is okay, just two so, people living in the moment so this is a this is like a kind of psychological horror version of a richard linklater film so like just imagine that it's before sunset (laughs) but a horror but a horror film those are the two films that i can think of that are just two people talking but you can still like you're still completely gripped and focused for the runtime that's it those are that's it there are no other there are no other this is this is a this is a micro genre (laughs) of, of, of films 
there, there's one, uh, this is a different film. I won't get into it, obviously, but um, there's one film, I think it's called The Man from Earth or some shit like that, where it's this guy who apparently is immortal, you know, who's uh, been living since uh, caveman times. And he's in a cabin which, with a bunch of students, if I recall. And um, that's the plot. And he just talks to them about, so yes, it's a very micro genre with very few films. This yes. one included. Mm. Okay, fine. Well, we'll, we'll, allow, we'll, we'll allow that one to be added. <laughs> we'll allow, we'll allow the letterbox yeah. micro genre. Um, <laughs> the letterbox playlist. That, like, yeah, so that's a real psycho playlist. You got, so you yeah. got, you got, you got, you got, you got, you got Before I, I, Sunset I, I, yeah, I, and you got Hard Candy and that's it. <laughs> That's that that's 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 all you got. Well, Watch the, them in one evening. Do a double bill. And 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 the list will just be like two people. Yeah, uh, two people hanging out uh, and enjoying the moment. And enjoying brackets, the moment. No yeah, no Bra- phones. Brackets, no smartphones. Just medical yeah. textbooks. Um. Yeah. So I think it. I think it is really yeah, really important to note that yeah, it is a testament not just to the perfor- not just to the performances which are terrific, but the Aaron, like you said, I think claustrophobic is the right word for it. Yeah. The the kind of the taut atmosphere that the director. Uh, builds up using the kind of the combination of kind of the of like the like the like the visuals and the and and the body horror and the kind of the queasiness and the and the and the way it really gets you to like interrogate your own morality about it um because you know this is this is it's a film about vigilante justice but more than one occasion you're you're rooting you're rooting for Haley you don't want yeah. You don't want there to be due process for Jeff. You don't like not what not what not while you're watching it, and particularly like right towards the end when he finally when he finally stops trying to protest his innocence and trying to explain himself and trying to justify himself, and the mask comes off and he said, "I'm not going to repeat this line because it's ah, it's horrible." He says this appalling thing to her, and it makes you just go. Uh, like it absolutely makes your skin crawl and you don't think at any point but surely this is a matter for the police you don't you don't you think this is this is a horror this is a horrifying monster and she Mm. is a uh, she is a creature out of myth and legend who has been sent she is outside the law and she has been sent to punish him and men like him yeah. And like she's a she's a she's a little witch troll creature. She's, she's a not, dark knight. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah she's a dark like when you said like you made me yeah. think of that line when you uh, when you said like a creature out of the night. I mean, there's that famous line from the first Batman comic where he talks about a bat coming out of the night, like something that's supernatural and elemental yeah. almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, no, and, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And it's very deliberate because like right at the end, he says, "I'll find you," and she sort of says. What you think I told you anything real about me? Like, which is oh, it's so obvious. Of course, of course she hasn't. But it does mean like that you actually you don't know her name. You don't know anything Absolutely. about who is she? How is she? How is she connected yeah. to this murdered girl? How is she found this? How is like how has she done it? She must mm. be some kind of like super like super almost sort of supernatural. Mm figure she's like she's a she's a kind of she's like a fury more than like more than anything else she's like she's she's been yeah she's been she's been sent she's outside of the law and she is outside of of morality other than the morality that she herself sets she is following the her morality on on her own terms but Mm. there's quite a lot of it that like yeah like i said that doesn't actually if you actually look at it on paper or hear it read out to you that actually doesn't make a ton of sense like how does she persuade him that she is literally cutting his balls off? 
How does yeah, she, like how that, does she do yeah, that? Yeah, like it's not like she gave him anesthesia. You know what I mean? No, and it's like, 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 like I don't. I'm assuming that even if they were that numbed, you would still be able to feel still, something. Like, if someone put ice on your balls. You would still know whether or not they were being cut off. Yeah, Surely yeah. you would. I feel and, like I feel like I would. I feel like I would. I feel, right? I feel like you would. I mean, I don't have them, but like I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to like I'm willing to kind of cede to you two on this. You will suspend your belief. I know. My 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 defensive point to that would be <laughs> that I feel like after all the shit that sort of happened uh, before that, mm. um, the the technicality, the, the the ability to stop and be like, hey, are they actually off or not? Is sort of like less I, I don't know is, is the argument that yeah. he's, he's kind of like his body is so filled of like kind of numbness and adrenaline anyway I think that is supposed yeah. to be the argument but if you actually yeah. write that down that does sound preposterous it's also yeah. preposterous well, I, yeah. that he that because because immediately after uh when Haley goes off to shower he immediately is able to free himself and it's like me- it's like, bitch, why didn't you do that before? You can't like, do that the whole time. I mean, I'm happy that you did it because it made the plot work. <laughs> you could have just undone that <laughs> shit. Like, come on, man. Um, it doesn't make any sense that Haley is able to lift him up in order to attach a noose yeah. to his her, neck. Her- Herculean, Herculean strength. I can't. I can't. I'm shaped like a little nine-year-old boy. I wouldn't be able to fucking lift him up. You know what I mean? Right. And like, particularly since he's like he's unconscious. He is a dead weight. Yeah. He's a, like a tall, relatively well-built, well-built bloke. And I'm and I know that sort of that kind of a little bit ties into like, like, what is she? Who is she? Is she really a hundred percent human, or is she a kind of fairy sort of kind of a fairy tale kind well, of I, I, vengeance I, figure? Yeah. So that's why she can lift him up. I mean, those knots, actually, those knots, both on the noose and also just like the way that she ties him around the chair, are like perfectly done. That no, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense she, to me because she's that supposed makes sense, to be I, a kind I, of yeah. no, because she's supposed to be a kind of um, she's supposed to be a kind of deeply precocious kind of sort of special sort of special interest teenager and having been one of those myself i could <laughs> fully imagine okay, really right. <laughs> really learning yeah. to do like a perfect knot and being able to do well, it and that is my like, fixation for like six months yeah maybe she's a girl scout could have been a girl scout could have been a girl scout that's definitely that's definitely true uh, also- another part that doesn't like quite make sense is um so she contacts his ex-girlfriend with whom he is still completely fixated. Uh this is quite interesting as well because I have never I've never read a book or seen a film about which has a kind of pedophile as a character that doesn't cite being unable to move on from a teenage sexual experience as being the root mm. of their root of their pedophilia, which I think is quite which I think is quite interesting. Um, in a obviously a very dark and horrible way. way, but yeah. It, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very, mor- it's very morbid. But it sort of makes sense that she has somehow managed to work out that he is still obsessed with his ex girlfriend from when he was a teenager. That fine, I, I'll, I'm willing to buy it, considering she's apparently been monitoring him for you know for a while. Mm. But if you got a call with a kind of not a very adult voice 
Yeah. Elliot Page has this like cute little squeaky voice uh. saying, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a officer policeman guy. <laughs> And Lieutenant Haley from the from the <laughs> LAPD, I yeah, think. Yeah. From the LAPD, and turns out, uh, turns out your boyfriend from when you were a teenager, uh, he's he's a he's a, he's a big pedo. So I'm going to need you to come out here and uh, yeah, ask like, some no, questions about that. that. I'd be like, no, I, wait, who is it? <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near that. Who is it you're even talking about here? What you mean, my boyfriend when I was like 15? Like, no, I'm no, I'm not. <laughs> what? What? Like, am I being brought in? Is this like a? How did you even <laughs> find me? Like, what the fuck? Um, and yeah, and it, and the fact that she shows up exactly as he is stepping off, as he is off stepping the roof, off yeah. the roof, it it doesn't quite it doesn't quite hang together. But I do think, like I said, that that it's like it is a testament to the to the world that like you are kind of that you're sort of like because you do feel like you are trapped in that house with them. And mm-hmm. everything about it, like the color, the the way the, the the way that the way the scenes are set up, they're quite often like quite like quite kind of stressful and obtrusive music. It's got a really really good soundtrack. It like the it really does the end credits. Uh, the end credit song is uh, this song "Elephant Woman" by Blonde Redhead, which uh, was one of my favorite songs from that period. I haven't listened to it for years, and so when the credits started and I heard the like heard the intro, I was like. Shit, I have to go listen to that record again because it is so so sick, and I haven't listened to it for literally for years. Um, and but Phoebe, I want yeah. Go, no, I just wanted to like um, I, I wanted to I wanted to say something that you made me thinking of um um like even though like there are these like kind of disparate parts that like when you kind of think about it, you're like okay, it doesn't really make sense, you know. Even if she's been tracking for a while, even if she's supposed to be like. I don't know, like the Tony Stark of high school girls. You know, she also knows how to use a, knows how to use a fucking gun too, apparently. You know what I mean? She knows how to like prime a gun. Um, she says to him at this one point, like, um, like he he says he'll turn himself in or something like that, right? And this is like, I think halfway through the movie. And I think she says something like, she mentions like Roman Polanski, you know, and how he's yes. still making movies, you know? And this is why like, even some of those disparate parts, even some of the times where I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, right? It's sort of like, all right, I guess it's even more unbelievable, right, that somebody would take vigilante justice out. You would wish. Usually it's the wrong fucking people, right? Like the person who killed Jordan Neely or other mm-hmm. fucking psychos, right? But you're also like, like you were saying, oh, there's no way the police are going to do anything about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we fucking know, right, about like rape kits, for example, right? The cops yeah. don't fucking actually investigate those things. They throw them the fuck out, mm-hmm. right? So as you're watching it, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, like, like, it doesn't matter even like how like um not that not that those parts aren't glaring, but it's also just like, oh yeah, I like this is righteous and mm. elemental in a way. And you're right, she is a fury, right? It's not mm. Batman, she is a fury, right? Yeah, like or like yeah. a siren or something like that. Or I guess a fury is more. But I don't know. I'm thinking of my uh, 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 mythical uh, creature analogies. But um, but I don't know. It, it I think that undergirding kind of like righteousness of the film and sort of like, oh, also, you don't know what's going to happen right mm. because he might get out you know yeah. and that claustrophobic feeling as well and him the the repeated attempts that he makes to get out because he gets out of like two times at least right like you're saying you'd mention the first mm. time he runs um to the bathroom where she tases him again then he's found on the uh then he gets out when he's on the table you know mm. and then he gets yeah. out when she hangs him again you know so it's like this very cat and mouse game that eventually ends with him but um but yeah i feel like that was like that's what kind of made it 
even more fulfilling. You know what I mean? That Absolutely. he got yeah. his just desserts, but also haunting because that's not real life, unfortunately. Yeah, but but you know? but also I think that I think what another thing that is sort of quite interesting about it is like how haunting it is, but also like how often it kind of falls into slightly Looney Tunes logic like yeah. but this full-grown man what he's escaped and he can't get out of his own house come on man what are you, what are you doing yeah, it's like, road, it is some roadrunner coyote shit it is really like a roadrunner coyote yeah. shit like, yeah. She, like, yeah like Haley like shows up like bonks him on the head and oh he's out again like this she is got, a like tiny, the acne ballad or some shit like that yeah, tiny tiny person how is it possible that you are unable to overpower them that makes no sense whatsoever um but well, you but know, because, Tom because, and Jerry, man, Jerry yeah. bested Tom a lot. So. That's, that, yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. It's a real kind of David and Goliath situation here. Um, but you do feel, yeah, you do feel um, that you are trapped in there with them, and you can't, and you can't bring yourself, you can't bring yourself to to to, to um, have a kind of moral sort of moral feeling about Haley and Haley's and Haley's actions. Um, what I want to actually talk, what I want to actually ask you both, because I am interested in the answer, because I actually don't know what I think. Not a hundred percent. Do you think it weakens it or strengthens it that she turns out to be completely right and he is almost certainly the rapist mm. and murderer of this girl? Mm. Or do you think it would have been it would have been more effective if, yeah, he's somebody who takes pictures of underage girls and probably has sex with them, and, sorry, probably rapes them, and probably and he was, and he was in these chat rooms looking for a teenage girl to play with, and it just so happens that, yeah, it's true, teenage girls they don't know who they're talking to online, but these men don't know who they're talking talking to either, and that's what they you, and that's yeah. what they should be afraid of. Mm. So, do you think it? So yeah, so do you think it weakens or strengthens it that not that it's not just a case that yeah, like he's like they, they never that that's never that's never in question. He's definitely definitely a predatory pedophile, but the fact that she is completely right in her in her investigations and he is the person who, if not raped and murdered this girl, definitely watched, which is as bad. Yeah. Like watched and took as, as bad. And, and and took photos. Um, yeah. I think you are supposed to think that. Um, it's sort of irrelevant whether or not it was literally him that that did it. He was definitely mm. there, and he knew, mm. and he knew about it. And I don't, yeah, I I genuinely don't know whether it would be more effective if if Haley is wrong, and yeah. it was, and it was yeah. some other guy. But this guy does still need to be dealt with, and he does still need to be stopped. And there is no other way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, that's a good question because. Towards the end, um, I remember how it ended, but for some reason, I forgot about that little tidbit about him saying that, well, um, Aaron, which unfortunately my fucking name, that <laughs> fucked me up a lot. But Aaron is the one, the other guy is the one that actually raped her and killed her. He just was there to take photos. Um, I wanted to take photos, but apparently the guy wouldn't even let him. So he just watched. Right. And it, it, like from a narrative standpoint, as a writer, I was like, OK, this is, is this anticlimactic, you know, mm. like not that's the way it should be looking at it. But I am a writer. Right? I'm looking at it like thematically. Yeah, no, I'm like, okay, is this anticlimactic. Mm -hmm. But also, too, I think like sort of I mean, if there is a point, which I think there is a point. Right. It's sort of like how how those 
how those lines are not even really blurred or how how like one step from like, okay, I'm just going online, not knowing who I'm talking about and being predatory to like actually going out there and killing somebody. I'm like those two things, whether you're, you know, also participating as a voyeur, those two things are like so just like that line doesn't even exist anymore. And they kind of bleed over into each other that Mm -hmm. there is some sort of cosmic justice that should be meted out right now. Like, you know, the fact that he even like, I mean, I guess he only felt bad because his ex who he still like dotes over would have found out that he's a fucking sociopath and a psycho. And that more than actually any accountability, like going to the cops or I don't know, like, well, the cop legally, which again, legally, these things sometimes be how they turn out. But the fact that he even knew, right, who he was, because there's that scene where after um, he gets out the second time, the third time, right, this is the final act of the movie out of the noose, and he's trying to find Haley, and he's kind of running around with this knife. He says, I know what I am now. You're right. Thank you for helping me find out who I am. Mm. So at that point, I was kind of like, you know what? She didn't even prove you. you she didn't even like prove you right. You proved you right, you know, by mm. your actions mm. and by the fact that you were even willing to take your own life, you know, mm. like, which is like, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is like, but it's like cowardly, but also good motherfucker. You should, you mm. know, like instead of taking con, which again, consequences with going to the fucking police, it's not going to bring anybody back. Right. Mm. But the fact that you are now out or going to jail, you know, the fact that now you are now out of this fucking world, like, yeah, I think it worked. It would have been interesting if it worked where she wasn't wrong, but he wasn't the guy. And maybe that would have, I mean, that would have opened up room for a sequel, which I'm glad it didn't. But also, too, it would have made you think about how pervasive this is in society, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that would have that would have probably also had me like, oh, shit, that would have probably been a little bit more haunting in yeah, some ways. I think actually. it would have been yeah. a bit more haunting if, yeah, if yeah. if she finally believes him, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's yeah. her. Yeah, he it doesn't her, matter. Exactly. He's her, he's her, he's her, he's a victim. And this is what's go- and this is what's going to happen to him. And because this is the thing, like, because like it's really it's really easy, I think, to take a kind of objective, objective kind of anti vigilante line. I think because the because the because the pro- because the problem is when when justice is meted out in the like in within the within the structures that we have and within the structures that we live under, the way that vigilante justice gets meted out is very, very rarely in this direction of travel, Absolutely. shall we say. Absolutely. Uh, the, Absolutely. the chances are, if anybody is going to be like physically attacked or killed, the chances are they are already going to be a marginalized person and the person who does it is, is going to get away with it. Like this is, this is, this is, this is the kind of the reality of it. So, I do think there is some I do think there is some kind of cultural and um an aesthetic value in a reimagining of what the other direction of of travel might look like what if what if the what if the girls took the girls took revenge on the predatory men what if um what yeah. if the black people took revenge on the bla- on on the racist what if mm-hmm. like you know what if what if what if what if what if the what if what if the the, the the Jews revolted against the Nazis. What if? Mm. And I think, and I do think these are interesting questions to ask. And I think it's interesting to kind of interrogate your own, um, your own kind of knee-jerk feelings about it because, because actually, and I think it's just sort of quite a difficult thing to think about and sort of difficult thing to talk about is that 
I have never been able to square my quite instinctive um, feelings about prison abolition and mm. um, getting rid of policing with what do we do with the rapists? Yes. And, yeah, I know, and yeah. I know that there are people who say, well, li- all crimes are socioeconomic. All crimes are ones that can be dealt with in a kind of a community community way, a community-focused way. And I wish, and I so wish I could believe that, but I, 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 I don't. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that, there, that, there are pe- that there are people who are, I don't, I, I, I really, I would love to believe in the possibility of redemption for every single person. But I think yeah, there same. are some, I think there are some Dude, things. Dude, yo, things I'm going to say it right redemption. now. I do, I, I think, do, like, and I know, I think, I, I think we both could say this as more. I think we all could say this here, right? As yeah. marginalized people, right? Like, dog, like, yo, like living in the South, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. stories mm-hmm. about church bombings, lynchings, right? Like, and these are so these are these are social, like um um spectacle like events that a bunch of people are yeah. participating in, right? Yeah. Jordan Neely as well. But like the fact that somebody could actually be the one to take charge of this, you know, like, mm. g- g- like with all these, like you throw the market, the, the um, historical materialism out the window, like maybe this is like, maybe this is like anti-Marxist for me to say, but yo, man, maybe there's a percentage of people out there, maybe they'd be very slim, but they're fucking sociopaths, right? These are the people that want to kill us. And I think like in this movie, you know, thinking about like, um, and also Hussein, I want to hear I want to hear what you have to think too, because I we didn't get your answer too. But um, yeah. I just want to say, like, just thinking about like what we've seen in the past couple weeks with um sort of vigilantism and voyeurism in this country. And again, this is in a sexual context within the film. Um, but it it just really does make me think like, like, I don't know, man. Like, like, yeah, uh, that would be a nice world, right? If we uh if, if the tables were turned, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. I, I, I've been like really enjoying like listening in part because one of the things that I've really been processing was the idea that I really remember that he did get castrated and like I yes. don't understand how I misremembered this thing. <laughs> um, like genuinely, I'm just because like I, I feel like when this film was sort of coming out, one of the things everyone was pointing to was like, yeah, he gets his balls chopped off. And then there was like a picture going around with the ice on his thing. And I was like, holy shit. And yeah. like. I now remember that when I was 14, almost being disappointed that that didn't happen because I was just looking for the gore. <laughs> but for some reason, that whole thing... So anyway, that's, that's a side point. I'm, I'm no, dealing can with I just say, Can I just say, yeah. like, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I was a teenage <laughs> boy watching that and I was like, yeah. the worst thing that could happen to me, like, I was always feared of... I, was, I always had a fear of drowning or falling, mm, but also yeah. being castrated. Very deeply Freudian psychological shit yeah, going on wanna... there, but also, I mean, it's very literal. I have balls. I don't want to lose it, man. That hurts. Yeah. Like, this, is, like, this is so interesting yeah. to me as well because i remember i remember watching it and just like that bit i thought was i thought it was very well done and like you know like it was a re- like really kind of subtle use of body horror because you don't see anything um you don't yeah. see anything you, you just, just, just kind of left, you hear like, squelching hear it and you're left imagining mm. and and it turns out <sighs> that it turns out that she's like played him like a recording or something of of, of, of a surgical procedure or something like something like that that's how she's sort of persuaded him that that's the that's the noise yeah. that's the noise happening but i remember just being like yeah okay but like yeah that's chill that's not that's not that's not what it's just not what it's just not what it be that bad. Just, yeah it's fine. Uh, like, yeah, like, I, I mean I, like it's not like it's it's not like i couldn't like 
understand that this is meant to be this kind of this kind of unusual horror that she is visiting on him. Mm. But by the same token, it like it didn't get to me any. I was just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did i did want to address the question that phoebe asked because i think it's actually yeah. a really good mm. one something that i was thinking about in the run-up to doing this episode um and it was only because i was thinking about two other things i had watched which have a similar type of approach in terms of like approaching or like in terms of interrogating the idea of like vigilante justice and um so one of it well one of them was a film that came out a couple of years ago which was um it was called promising young woman which is not mm. like it's not um of the same genre of this it's not like a horror film in any account but it is it does sort of interrogate like uh the idea of like the vigilant like vigilante justice and whether that film even is an example of it not least because at the end of that film what sort of turns out is that like the police are like a very big part of you know the plan that the main character sort of hatches to get revenge on uh on one of the other characters and then the second thing i was thinking about was from a netflix series called criminal i know whether you guys had seen this but they're like the one there's one episode uh the uh there's one episode of that of the english language one where it sort of centers around a um a volunteer uh pedophile hunter um mm. and the sort of inter- it's, like, it's it's all ta- it all takes place in like an interrogation room so but in the terms of the format of it like feeling claustrophobic and like as the sort of stakes become higher like you can sort of you know very, there's definitely like the tension and kind of coloring sort of really adds to that um adds to that idea of like you know uh just the real refinement of it but then it turns out that the end of in the end of this episode uh the character actually ends up getting the wrong person um so ends up like sending a mob a violent mob to a guy's house who has had no idea because what had happened was the actual pedophile that they had been surveilling for a long time and had been baiting for a long time was using a work computer that everyone else kind of like Mm. that multiple people were using right um and so and in those instances i and especially in the latter context it was very much the case when i came back from it it was very much the case it seemed to be that the message was very much just like you know oh this is kind of the dangers of like vigilantism and it's sort of like the dangers of kind of like jumping to conclusions and the idea that like these types of groups are kind of like they already have an idea of who they are hunting to begin with and so this is very much an exercise of like uh yeah this is very much an exercise of just like finding someone who fits the kind of profile criteria to then justify why you're doing what you're doing and in this particular film and perhaps it's because like the use of like social media accounts and stuff is really not that pronounced and even in the kind of in the broader context of the film where everything takes place in like a you know in a house which is like sealed off like you know i think i think the lines where she sort of says that yeah i've already checked that none of your neighbors are around so like we are literally Mm -hmm. alone is a really good example of like or a really good insight into both like the period of time that this film is set in but also the intentions of Haley, which is very much the case of like no this is this is about us it's not about like anyone else it's not about like performing for anyone else and i thought that was like a really interesting insight mm. which like is a product of its time but it also is perhaps one of the reasons why we find ourselves kind of like rooting for her um you know because it almost feels like well there's nothing that she kind of gets advan there's no advantages that she gets from doing this right no. the only sort of like thing that she gets is the is is a vindication that we find out that she already has the whole time um Absolutely. and so like the transformation that sort of happens as we get to the end of the film is really this idea that what she does is help this man or like make this man realize like who he is and to accept who he is and like 
you know, I was I was I was thinking in a very morose way in that way. It's like very similar to like the Linklater films in the sense that like, you know, you rely on like the like a long period of interactions with like a stranger to kind of realize who you are and like what you kind of like mm. see what mm. what you know behind all the layers, like what what you actually kind of like represent in the world. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that was sort of like my that, that was watching it, watching it now and watching it, especially at a time when like we do when like conversations around vigilante justice really are and Aaron, as you sort of kind of alluded to the idea that like vigilante justice is now the idea of like filming something on your phone and like making it go viral. Right. The idea of mm. like, you know, Twitter, do your thing and all that type of stuff. Yes. Um, and kind of to go back to this moment where it's like, Oh no, vigilante justice is literally in this kind of instance of the film, like being as brutal as possible to someone who, you know, is kind of like transgressed so much that, you can believe rightly or wrongly that like there is no pathway to redemption for them. And like when we're sort of talking about like a pedophile, like I think those are types of groups of people where I would imagine it is very, very difficult to even sort of justify or even to sort of rationalize the idea of like a redemption arc for them. And I, you know, I don't even like using that term and I really hope that like people understand what I'm saying when yeah, I, when yeah, I yeah. make that yeah, point. Yeah, no, I think um, so, yeah. And so in some ways, like the almost kind of like, you know, the fact that like these characters are not kind of presented as being, I don't want to say complex, but like where, the, where like the confinement of these characters definitely sort of kind of, it, it, it me and the, their lack of interaction with the outside world very much means that you're dealing with two people. Yeah. It, it kind of, flattens, it kind of flattens. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, not and, a bad way though. Yeah. And so in, in some ways it kind of makes like watching it, not to say easier, but it makes it harder in like some ways. But it kind of means that we you then you don't end up like getting trapped into like the wider discourses that I think those other two bits of media that I was talking mm-hmm. about do find themselves like trapped in. Um, and where like the takeaway from it, as you mentioned, is very much about, well, OK, what do we interrogating the idea of like, well, what does vigilante justice actually mean? Right. What does it actually look like? And it sure as shit is not like filming something on your phone and making it go viral. And it also, mm-hmm. you know, arguably is not kind of like working with institutions that perpetuate and even like advocate for like you know the, the types of horrors that lead to it like atrocities this is at it, it's 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 incredibly stripped down mm. um and i think that kind of is one of the sort of central things that makes it a really interesting and insightful but also an incredibly horrific film <laughs> yeah Absolutely. yeah no Absolutely. for like for sure so, yeah it's 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 interesting isn't it because like mm. what sort of counts for kind of uh, sort of community action now is like Let's find like, let's find someone who said a slur and lose them their job. Like which I think yeah. <laughs> which is like yeah, you, which is just not it, you know. Yeah. Remember when you, vigilantes you, were hard? <laughs> you, you had me you had me thinking, no, mostly got me thinking um about like um like accountability, you know? Yeah. And um, you know, the the you know, I mean, not that I like I'm not the I'm not a person who like I don't know much about rehabil restorative justice. I'm not gonna say I'm one of those people, right? Um I believe in it to some extent, right? See, this is what we're talking about. But oh, accountability, you know, it's like I think especially when it's in like in a digital space, you know, like I mean, I think like things often maybe get flattened and I think it becomes less about holding someone accountable and more about I'm not saying that if this is also what I'm gonna be tricky and say that like I don't want to get in a conversation either about what's well, cancellation real or not. I mean, I think that's like a question of also whether like someone has power and privilege or whether yeah. they can actually be like hurt. And this is the okay, This is the thing, right? Is that I think that as you were saying, Phoebe, like there's like, there's like, um, um, sort of like, like this, this accountability that's not really about holding someone accountable that that's not even about restoring being restorative. I guess it's more about 
attacking someone that you feel like did something bad, right? Mm. But I think in this film, though, because of, like, the context of it and because, like, those things you were saying, Hussein, are stripped down and kind of flattened, like, there really is no either or, right? It's like, we know this guy is, I mean, all, the fact that she finds the photo of Donna Maurer in that safe, you know? Yeah. That's when, because that's when, at point, I was like, okay, no, there's definitely something. Yeah, this guy's taking pictures of teenage girls. He's raped them for sure, right? Not that any of this is okay, but did he do what did he do what she's accusing him of or what she's yeah. alluding to right that he's killed someone and once he once she found that photo i was like oh that's it man you yeah. know because like being a participant being a an, uh, a part of something right being a part of the spectacle whether it's like you know some sort of bullshit accountability group online or whether it's like i think about this a couple of years ago with the boston bombing right weren't didn't weren't some weren't people sharing a photo that wasn't one of the Zarnayev brothers sharing yeah. a photo of someone else right and it was like dude i understand like the impetus and the goodwill right but you guys are like gonna get somebody killed who had nothing to fucking do with this and now mm-hmm. we see that it works in the complete reverse with accounts like libs of tiktok right with people like with, like fox news segments right who highlight people you know specifically to be targeted you know what i mean so I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like there's no there's no way to feel about it, like if and or if she did something right. But it's just that we don't live in that kind of society. And if we did, you know, I would I mean, I don't know. I would I would think that like like as a black person. Right. Would do I think that black people want to go out there and like, you know, lynch a bunch of racists. Right. More often than not, leave me the fuck alone, you know. Mm. But at the same time, like uh, there's this film, for example, called um, um, uh, God, what is it called? There's this film from the 1980s. I can't remember what it's called. Jesus Christ, man. But it's it's directed by this woman who's a radical and oh God, born in flames. That's what it is. And it's about this post is this post uh, uh, capitalist, nominally socialist United States and all of these social problems like racism, sexism, misogyny, all of these things still exist in society. And you have these bands of these roving band of women who ride these bikes and they're kind of like the. um uh the guardian angels in new york except mm-hmm. the guardian angels are hella reactionary but they go around on these bikes and they go around beating the shit out of men who are trying to wake women on the streets and like that kind of self-defense you know mm. like i'm mm. like okay that in a community sort of aspect right is something that i'm totally on board with you know but i i don't know i guess when it becomes atomized in re- in the real world i mean yeah once again you get like people that are like uh you know, being online and they're so atomized and alienated, but also like being fed all the shit that they go yeah. up to like a drag show with a fucking gun to fucking terrorize people. You know, I don't yeah. know if any of that made sense, but no, it just no, really no, no, does. It absolutely, give me, you know? it absolutely does. It absolutely does make sense. And I, I think that it's I think that one of the things that makes it so specifically of its time and also so kind of haunting is that there isn't this sense of a kind of a platform mediated digital space making mm. a voyeur out of all of us so like even yeah. if you are the creator even if you're the documenter you are still the person that is watching and not doing shit and now when you see the people who are doing shit it's always as you say in these kind of these terrifying in these kind of terrifying contexts like people like showing up with you know, with like assault rifles and like standing outside and like standing outside a school and like and their their sort of defenses sort of being sort of ranging from kind of oh what so uh, what you're saying is you want to attack him because you disagree with him it's like motherfucker is standing outside a school with a gun. <laughs> in a country He's the one where, trying to attack people. Where you know school I mean? children are regularly 
shot. Like that's that's the that's the the issue that people seem to be having with this. It's not it's not a kind it's not a kind of like like people like to people like to behave like uh, like it's just kind of you know what I actually just really really disagree with like you know I disagree with his view on the nuclear deterrent, so I want to kill him. No, that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not that's not it. Um, and yeah, and like and yeah, and like and like and like you say, I saw I saw this like oh terrifying, terrifying image of uh, these kind of um, kind of militia types like showing up at like school board meetings like armed and like lining the back walls or something, and it's like fuck that just that just that mm. feels bad to me that feels like a bad that's a bad omen for the near future <laughs> and yeah. yeah and if you like kind of look back at these kind because i think yeah i think that originally the film was supposed to be a kind of oh you know what does what stranger danger what does stranger danger mean in the digital age but because it is mm. such a nascent digital age and it and it fails to because how could it it fails to predict this voyeuristic content creating yeah. tendency so maybe it's the sort of thing you should look back on and think maybe there needs to be some kind of material fight back because yeah. the state won't protect you and law and like kind of law enforcement is there to enforce you know enforce the rights of the state against you so big tech platforms uh, am, I, aren't am, there I a, am I a libertarian now I'm like, am I like no, a homestead no, no. libertarian? Am I going to go move to like a weird farm and learn how to shoot a gun? Is that what I'm going to do? <laughs> Maybe we all should. But Maybe no, seriously, should. Though, it, it, makes me, it makes me think too, like, um, I guess, I guess also what I was trying to sort of, um, cause a lot of that I'm thinking about like, uh, tech, a lot like tech, tech platforms. Right. And like this kind of idea that like, you know, um, like it's like how like it's so it was so easy for him to go to these chat rooms and pretend to be somebody else and prey on these young girls right mm. and how much of like like the media that we see online is just like i mean it's fucking horrific right and you ask these platforms like hey maybe you should regulate some of this content right some of this hate speech you know and it's like well this is free speech and you get to do whatever the fuck you want to do right but it's like also consequences of free speech mm. you know like people always fuck that up and it's like well I mean, if this guy has the the freedom to go out there and go online and say whatever the fuck he wants and leads, right, to actions like the rape and murder of a teenage girl, then then maybe like, you know, like like in some way we should like, I don't know, we should we should put I, I mean, maybe I sound like a libertarian too, right? Maybe we should put a stop, <laughs> figure out we should stop that shit before we we figure out what the fuck is going on, right? Yeah. Before we like continue to like kind of like have these platforms exist. And like, I don't know. I know the movie also isn't like it exists in a time before that. But mm. I just couldn't help thinking, like, if this technology had existed during the film, how much fucking, like, more horrifying it would have been in so many ways, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've just noticed that we're kind of running very close to time. So I think that might have to be our uh, our closing yeah. observation that um, that both me and Aaron have uh, converted to we're, we're, libertarianism. Yeah. <laughs> we're libertarian. Because of we're our film from 2005. <laughs> I, I remain undecided, but um, <laughs> yeah, it depends on what job I'd get on the on the uh, on the libertarian on the libertarian farm. commune. Uh, if I can yeah. be the com uh, communal blunt roller, I'm fine with that. You know, that's good. Okay, I don't okay. have to shoot yeah. anybody. I don't have to do anything. Like, I don't have to kill anyone. Like, I'm cool with it. Who's saying you can do community management for the libertarian for the libertarian farm? 
I feel like that would be a real recipe for disaster, but we can talk about that on, uh, on another episode. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, watching the film with us. If people want to uh, follow your work, uh, listen to any of your shows, how can they do that? For sure. People can check out the Trillbillies, uh, Trillbilly Workers Party. They could also check out a Struggle Session and they could check out Everybody Loves Communism. Uh, I haven't recorded many episodes lately with that, but uh, we're still doing it. And this is uh, my seventh Twitter account. People want to follow me. Hopefully by the time this comes out, my account will still be up. <laughs> uh, Afrocosmist, uh, where I actually just post retro sci-fi art because I'm tired of getting banned and the world's kind of fucking bleak. So um, if you like, uh, you know, some retrofuturism and optimism and shit you know you can uh follow me there also i'm writing uh i'm writing uh short stories writing fiction um now uh lately so hopefully uh people can look out for that hopefully i'll have some stuff in some publications soon oh, exciting. uh phoebe oh, yeah. uh people if we want to read your stuff how can we do that oh if you want to read my stuff you can subscribe to my Substack. the link will be below uh if you'd like to listen to me in other places you can find me um at Masters of Our Domain, which is the Seinfeld podcast I do with Milo, or Romecast, which is uh, the podcast that I do also with Milo and Patrick Wyman about HBO's Rome, also from 2005. My finger is super glued to the pulse. I refuse to comment on anything that was made after like 2007. Like I, I, I need time <laughs> to get my get my fucking thoughts together. Um, also, yeah, pour, pouring one out for Ray Stevenson, who plays Titus Polo <laughs> in Rome. Who died yesterday, really young, really sad. Okay. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. is a real one. <laughs> the show is produced by Devon. Follow them at Devon underscore on Earth. Listen to Kill James Bond if you don't already. I think that's it from us. So until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.